I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your professional and life coach, making sure that you have nothing less than a spectacular life. I'm here today with Scott Ritzheimer. Hi, Scott. Hey, Jody. So excited to be here. Uh, what an opportunity. Thank you so much. Me too. You know, 100% on that. Let me tell you something about Scott. Scott Ritzheimer has helped nearly 20,000 new businesses and nonprofits, and with his business partner, started their multi million dollar business through an exceptional and extended growth phase over 10 years of double digit growth, all before he turned 35. He founded Scale Architects to help founders and CEOs identify and implement the one essential strategy they need right now to get them on the fast track to predictable success. Wow, Scott, that's pretty good. All before 35. So you started this like at age seven, right? When you were uh, (laughs) lemonade stands and whatever you could do, right? Actually, I am curious, what got you interested in business, especially entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I, I somewhat fancy myself an accidental entrepreneur. I, I didn't really get into it on purpose. I was not the kid doing the the lemonade stand and selling candy on the <laughs> playground. Uh, that, that was not my vibe. Uh, but I did, anytime I had an opportunity to do some kind of discretionary project at school, looking back now, it had something to do with business or design. Uh, and, and I was finally able to, you know, decades later, pull those together as what I call a scale architect and helping folks to design scalable businesses. But uh, it was it was more of an undercurrent in my life. Entrepreneurism was now my dad was an entrepreneur. He started his own business uh, when I was uh, middle school, entering into high school. I got to see the, the glories of that. I got to see the, <laughs> the underside of that yeah. and, and the hardship in it. So I wasn't necessarily new to this space. And uh, I had actually uh, left uh, uh, Pennsylvania where I grew up and actually went to ministry school and was working mm-hmm. with a ministry and needed to make ends meet as well. So I got a part-time business with a, a friend who was part of the same church I was in. And I was I was in the mailroom. I was literally answering <laughs> the emails that came in yeah. and kind of divvying them out to the right people. And I was doing tech support on software I'd never seen before. And that was kind of that was my role. And it was fine. I I, I didn't have a whole lot of interest in business. Um, and it was a job. It paid the bills. It was great. And uh, very long story short, uh, he sold and owner financed the deal on that business uh, about a few months after mm-hmm. I started. And I stayed on staff and watched the company systematically but unintentionally destroyed. Oh, goodness. And, and and I saw the buyers who really wanted the best for the business and for themselves. I saw the seller, my friend, who wanted the best for the business. And, you know, everyone wanted the thing to work and it didn't. It, uh, it, it just totally fell apart at the seams. And 
you know, uh, two things happened. One, I learned more about business uh, in that that 18 months than I did when I went back to business school 10 years later, uh, way more. And uh, and two, in the messiness and chaos and, and pain of it, uh, and because uh, it was hard for everyone, I fell in love with business. I, I really genuinely did. I, I fell in love with what the business could be. And so when he had the opportunity, my friend had the opportunity to get the business back, uh, which by that point was like three broken computers and a, an office chair that like mm. all the padding had worn out, you know, like that's <laughs> all that was really left oh, of the business. No. Uh, but when he had an opportunity to get it back and, and kind of end things on decent terms with the the previous buyers, he asked me to come on and help him relaunch the company. And so we co-founded that together. Uh, and, you know, the rest is, uh, is history to an extent. It, it just took off. It, it was the right combination and even despite the fact that we started in uh, September 2008, it was actually the right time too for us to really accelerate. And a lot of things came together uh, and 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 worked out. But uh, you know, I kind of found myself one day. I remember the first leadership team meeting I ever walked in. I led. Oh, and it's like God, I was 23, 24 in. years old. I had no idea what I was yeah. doing. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Uh, and and you know, look, it's so embarrassing, you know, all the, the different things, but that's how it is for a lot of founders, yeah. regardless of your age, right? Yes. The the very first time yeah. you haven't you're in an executive team meeting, you're leading it, or or the the first time, you know, there's a PL, like you've got to create it. And uh and uh and so it was from that place of being in there, constantly feeling a little out of my depth, not having any idea what to do and finding some tools that really, really helped us to move forward uh, yeah. is where I really got a passion for helping other founders to hopefully skip some of the the challenges and trials <laughs> that that I had to, or at least make them a little easier. Right. Now, now before I, I am curious, because I love when you say, founders it's a series of firsts and it really is because you may think that your skill of doing whatever whether it's coding or uh, you know marketing or is you're going to be doing that in a startup you're not going to be doing that you're going to be doing that plus 12 other tasks. So yeah. that's, that's a different mindset um, that you need to go into. Um, and I'm just curious, your first steps in, in that leadership position, what mistakes did you make? You know, three things. Uh, yeah, three things. Yeah. How do we yeah, if down you can three? remember? <laughs> uh, so the first one was uh, I overvalued the work of my own hands. Mm. Uh, I, I, I and and this stuck with me for uh, the better part of a decade. But I thought if I if it you know if it really needed to get done, I had to do it. Mm. And and part of the truth of that is I was able to lead effectively because I could show people this is where I want it, I want us to go, right? This is what leadership looks like. Yeah. But once you get to a certain size where you can't, you only split one way, right? You don't split nine ways. <laughs> and, and so a big mistake that I made was I hung on to that too long. Mm. I hung on to the, let me show you how, form of leadership and uh and and I stifled the growth of the folks that were working with me and and ultimately ended up slowing the company down as well because of that. So that was a big one. Yeah. Uh second one that's that's very very similar to that and again stuck with me for a long time was I thought we were completely unique. 
You know, and in many ways we were. Uh, there, there wasn't an industry that we were really part of. There were no direct competitors to us. Like we were really kind of pioneering our space. And I, I misconstrued that as we were pioneering everything. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it was, I liken it now to like it was like we woke up every day and we took a step right off the map. The map was what was behind us and, and what was in front of us. No one, including myself, had any idea what it was. <laughs> and that's exciting for a little yeah. while, especially when yeah. you're as young and dumb as I was. Uh, but it wears <laughs> you out a little bit when you get blindsided a few times. Right. When you, you step into a mud puddle instead of stepping on a stone path. And uh, I, I, I at some point I just got tired of being blindsided. And so you know, we kind of begrudgingly went out to get some help. And unfortunately, we were really bad at getting help. And mm -hmm. so we found the wrong people or maybe the right people at the wrong time. And quite frankly, all of my coaching consulting experiences uh, in the first, you know, 10 years or so were not good. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, there's something to be said about that for the industry as a whole. I think there's some parts of it that are broken, but more than anything, it was just, we didn't know what kind of help we need. We weren't asking right. the right questions. Right. And so the, the real tragedy in that, and I've actually found afterwards, a lot of people have had a similar experience. And the real tragedy is we start to buy the lie that we're, we really are alone, right? If we couldn't figure it out, we realize we can't hire someone to figure it out either. And so if we can't figure it out, it's not figure outable. Mm. And and the degree to which I felt isolated and alone in that, especially compounded with mistake number one, was a big one. And uh, and so when you pull those two together, right, uh, I've it really comes down to I've got to drive this. It, it's up yeah. to me to make it happen. It leads you to make all kinds of mistakes. And and so, you know, to yeah, get into in addition to like burnout, too. Yeah. Know, I've worked yeah. with so many founders, entrepreneurs who do feel things have to do, you know, has to go their way. Exactly what you said you have in your mind the way you want things to go and um what you really need what i'm really hearing is uh, a collaborative model of whether it's the people in the company or getting help outside yeah yeah absolutely and and on the burnout point uh you know there's there's a lot of type a founders that burnout is bs kind of a thing and that, that's less and less these days fortunately but it's true i mean for me i i was in my you know late 20s at this time uh have a real successful company everything looks great on the outside my blood pressure was sitting around 140 150 my on a goodness. normal day yeah. i was eating well i was exercising regularly and and yeah it was like there's nothing to it it's just stress yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean stress? I'm great. You know, and it's like, well, your blood pressure yeah. says something else. And so, yeah, it's a very real thing. And and uh, I think to actually take it a step further, uh, I would say, yes, there's the collaborative piece. But what I've found, and, and especially as I've had the opportunity to help so many folks, like you said in the bio there, it's that there are different stages we go through as leaders. And what was happening was the stages I had progressed to require that more collaborative approach more than my er than earlier stages did. And so I was hanging on to what had worked in the past mm. because I had no idea that the game had changed. Mm. Right. I, I just you where did that change? You know, was it on a Tuesday? I I really don't know. Like, when did that happen? And uh, and and I found this is true for founders. Uh, and, and it's different from, let's say, employees. Right. Mm -hmm. For employees, the leadership game changes as they progress, but it usually yeah. comes with a new title. You start right, off, you know, right. like I did in the mailroom and you do a great job and, and they invite you to be a manager. 
And and so now you've got a new title. Now, <laughs> that's hard to do. That's still a hard transition <laughs> to make, right? Not yes. all doers are great managers, yeah. but at least there's a title to indicate that something has changed. Right. right. Or you, for, you take the sports world, right? There are positions on a team. There are sidelines in the sports. And, and if you're the coach on the sideline and you step onto the field, it's a penalty, right? You, you can't do that. It's <laughs> crystal clear. But there's no sidelines in business, especially for founders, because who's going to tell a founder slash owner, no, you can't do that? Well, um, somebody other than the IRS, right? right. Well, <laughs> I've got to I've got to say somebody who who you value, if you were a founder and, you know, saying expanding on that, hey, that may not get us the best outcome. You You can't do that. Let's think about this let's bring in some other people in our company to to really figure out the solution and again looking at what kind of outcomes that you want so yeah. i would value and that kind of person in the company who can say no but can also bring it to another level that is useful and informative Absolutely. You know, and I want to get back to something that um, you mentioned. You you do have a book on your site explaining this, and that is the evolution that or the stages that founders go through. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, we've got about three hours, right? Those are, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, yeah, so there are seven stages. Seven is a lot. Um, yeah, why and, don't you and, just and group them so together let's just, a little Let's bit. condense this down a little yeah. bit. And we're going to dial in on stages three, four, and five, because that's where if, if there's somewhere that most folks get stuck, it's in these stages. So uh, to set the stage uh, by stage three, uh, this isn't you as a solopreneur anymore. You got a small team around you and uh, it usually happens around the time that you've hired a handful, right? It, it's not necessarily five. It's not necessarily six. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's 10, sometimes it's three, but you got a group of people around you and you wake up one morning and you're, you, you're the, the defining question in your head is what's wrong with these people, Ooh. right? <laughs> like they don't think <laughs> the way that I do. You know, I have to manage them. I hate being managed. And <laughs> now they want me to manage them. Uh, you know, you bring them in and you think that it's going to make your life easier. And then you wake up and realize you've got to sell more for them to be able to yeah. eat as well. Yes. And so it's just this pressure that builds up. And, and uh, what that stage is, I call it the reluctant manager, hmm. because there's not a founder out there who, got, who started their business so that they could manage people. Yeah. Right. Well, That's yeah. never in someone's yeah. vision or mission statement. No. Uh, and, and most founders, while they are extraordinarily gifted in some ways, usually it's not being a good manager, yeah. uh, not by wiring. Now, does that mean that they can't be a good manager? Does that mean they can't be a great manager? Absolutely not. But we, we, we mistake, uh, oh, I'm not a manager as a personality trait, right? When it's actually a skill set. Yeah. Exactly. And so what happens when you've got enough folks there is the bigger leverage point is not what you can do by yourself. It's the ability to manage others to success, to have success through others. Yeah. What makes this so difficult is you don't have the luxury of just sitting back and telling other people what to do. You're still in the game yourself, right? It's kind of mm -hmm. like being a captain on the field. You still have your job to do. Oftentimes it's it's more work than you've had to do this whole time to keep everything moving. And now you're dealing with their problems and it feels like everything comes back to you. Mm -hmm. And so there's this little bit of like, 
uh, you know, woe is me that kind of happens for us because, uh, you know, we think I've got all these people around, but it's still up to me to get it done. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. And it's it's where folks can get stuck as a reluctant manager. And, and, and the real key here is to recognize that you've got to stop thinking in terms of I and start thinking in terms of we. Yeah. We need to do this. And and as as trivial as that sounds, it's remarkable the change that it can make. Uh, and and by embracing your role as a manager, not just a leader, not just the founder, but as a manager, someone who's getting in there, helping folks dot their I's and cross their T's, that's going to move you forward faster than anything else you can do at this stage. So that's stage three. Uh, and it's that reluctant manager. Our goal is to actually become a joyful manager. It is possible. <laughs> a lot of people don't think that's true. Uh, I just had a text message from one of my clients who hit that joyful manager moment Aww, today. And, and so it is possible. And uh, and so that's stage three. Now, what happens when you do that? Well, you figure out how to manage a couple of people. You get stuff moving in the right direction. You get the right people around you, which is a really critical component. Yeah then uh, the, the business usually takes off. And this is where you see rapid growth for a lot of organizations because it's not just up to one person anymore. It's it's relatively simple to go from five to 10 employees, a lot easier than going from zero to five. Uh, it's easier to go from 10 to 15. It's easier, you know, everything just gets a little easier for a little while. And it's not so much that it's easier, it's that our work is is more effective. And so we're, we're putting in a ton of effort. Our team's putting in a ton of effort. We're growing and growing and growing. And we start hitting milestones. Uh, maybe it's a million dollars or maybe it's $10 million. It doesn't matter what it is, but there are these, these milestones that we think should be really meaningful in life. Yeah, I've built a million dollar business. You build a million dollar business and you realize, it's just the same as a nine hundred thousand dollar business, right? <laughs> right. Or, or it's a ten million dollar business, and but you do at, it and... at the same time. I think one has to take a lot of pride in what they've accomplished and celebrate wins. That you know, I, I absolutely, like to, yeah. uh, absolutely, and a big part yeah. of this, and and hopefully we, we can get a couple minutes just toward the end to to dial in on. There's a joy that's available in every single one of these stages oh, that yeah. we do not want to miss. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happens is we hit these milestones and realize they aren't the the kind of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow mm -hmm. we thought they were going mm -hmm. to be. More challenges. Is, <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's it's not that it gets easier. It's not necessarily that it gets harder. It's just that you the problems get bigger. Right. Everything gets bigger. It doesn't necessarily get better. It gets bigger. And there's this disillusioning that happens where we thought if I could get to this point, everything would be OK. We may not mm -hmm. vocalize it, but we feel that way. Well, we get to that point and it's not OK. Or we fall short of that point and don't even know how to get there. And stage four is this place where it, we start to we start to be kind of consumed with the question, is this it? Like, is this really what being a leader is? All? Is this really yeah. why I started a company, yeah. right? To deal with all these problems and people and, uh, you know, you have and all kinds of stuff happens. Uh, you know, no one wants this to happen, but sometimes employees steal from you. You lose massive contracts. Uh, you get sued. Like bad stuff happens. And it's not that it's all bad, but there's enough of the bad stuff going on that you're wondering, like, why am I really doing all of this for this. And, yeah. and we're kind of consumed by this question, is this it? And again, I call stage four the disillusioned leader. Now I know this is really rosy so far. Everything look, you know, this is, these are some wonderful names for stages. Right. But right. but the truth and, of it is, yeah. yeah, go ahead. You've you've reached that big stage. You know, you, I mean, that is definitely rosy. And I'm just wondering, yeah, how do you pull the disillusioned leader back on track again you know maybe i don't know if it's re with reality 
maybe how would you do that a hundred percent the first thing that you've got to do is, is is make sure you've got a vision for the future because by this point most most great visionaries their vision's been shaken a little bit or 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 their confidence in their ability to reach that vision and has been shaken i i liken it to if you've ever watched like some epic movie right like think of the coolest most epic movie and you watch all the way to about 15 minutes left in the movie and you turn it off right <laughs> If if you stop right there, the movie's downright depressing, right? Like Liam Neeson's daughter is still abducted, yeah, you know, she's, she's uh, you still know the, the Death Star is still coming. Like yeah. everything that can go wrong has gone wrong at this point. Yeah. There's been betrayals and heartbreak and, <laughs> and, and the hero of the story feels woefully inadequate. And if we were to end the story there, which tragically is what so many business owners do, is they reach this point and it's so hard and they and 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 without that vision for what it can become, they they throw in the towel and either settle for this is just hard mm. or they take a step back. Mm -hmm. And and what we do is we stop the movie before the last 15 minutes. When the reality of it is, if you're in that point, someone listening there's now and they're just they, they woke up this morning thinking, is this it? You are one step away from the most transformative experience of your life as a founder, from the biggest transformation from one stage to the next. And, and what has to happen is you have to move from this disillusioned leader, this, this founder where it's kind of all about you still to some extent, the business and you are the same to becoming a true CEO. You've probably had CEO on your 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 uh, uh, business card since day one, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the time when you actually get to step into that seat. And 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 for many folks, that kind of scares them. They don't really feel like CEO material. But but if you do this right, if you build the right executive team around you, being a CEO is actually one of the truest forms of what you do best. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're really taken out of that more of the day-to-day -day tasks. You, you let hopefully the people below the executive team take care of that. And now you get to be extremely creative as a CEO and really guide the company in a way that it needs to be guided new products what's the competition look like you know you're really putting those visionary skills to use as a ceo absolutely and it, and it's really about again getting back into that visionary seat like you talked about and then another key principle for this to kind of separate these different stages is you move to start making people decisions not policy decisions mm. That's a great way to put that. Right. Yeah. And so it's yeah. not up to you to make all the decisions anymore. This is why the disillusioning process is so hard is because we start screwing it up as well. We just can't keep up. Mm -hmm. But when you realize no one person can keep up, that's not your job. Your job as CEO is not to make all of the decisions. Your job is to build a brilliant team who can do it for you. Yeah. And 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 the freedom that comes from that is it, it, it's one of those things. It's actually very difficult to explain, and, and and you see it once someone gets it. You know, once someone gets to the other side, it's 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 so much better than we thought it could be. Uh, is it without its problems? No, it's still business. It's still life. There's still challenges. But the place that we can approach those challenges from is so much more stable and fulfilling. It's really, really a beautiful transformation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I would imagine it really brings a whole lot of um, positivity to that role. Like, finally, I had no idea that if I could trust this team of people, 
then I would get to really run things in the way I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is, that is, uh, those stages. I love what you really pointed out. It's almost like that last 15 minutes is the hero's journey of facing those challenges and turning yeah. it around and really finding their brilliance. Yeah. Now, um, just looking at, you know, the reluctance, I love the words you use, the disillusioned, how do you build the confidence in um, in a founder so they know that, okay, I can let go of yeah. some things. Yeah. Um, things won't always be hard or will set some contingency plans in place. So it will get taken care of. Um, yeah. How do you do that with someone? Yeah, there's so many answers to that question. But I would say the first one is when we treat delegation as moving away from something, not moving towards something, it's almost always destined for failure, right? If you're trying to to, to get rid of something, uh, it can work for a couple of like the some of the low hanging fruit. But, you know, when you try and get rid of sales, for example, that's that's you know, like that's there's a lot that can what? go wrong there. So what it is, first and foremost, it's really about getting a vision for for where where you're going. Right. This this is especially true for folks who are in that reluctant manager stage, because the truth of it is you don't have to build a business and scale it. You can be a solo entrepreneur with a, a few folks helping you. You don't actually have to get to the next stage. Right. Remember, the next stage is disillusioned leaders. So we don't want to race there in the first <laughs> place. Right. So the, the first one is and what I always counsel folks to do is. What do you actually want this organization to be, mm. right? Knowing mm. that a million dollars is not any more cheery than 100,000 or 200,000 mm. or whatever you're at right now, or knowing that $10 million is not any better than a million dollars, it's just bigger. What do you actually want to build? How big a company do you need to achieve your vision? And and when we can get back in touch with their vision, not just the ops that they've been buried in from for you know, probably a couple of years now, it creates clarity on which direction we have to go. So very first step is you got to make your decision. And, and when it comes, and again, this is especially true for these reluctant managers, there's not a founder out there, again, who, who starts their business wanting to be a manager. But sure. I've found there's not a founder I've worked with who, having made the decision to move forward, can't become a great manager. Absolutely. They, they can't, Absolutely, right? And, right? And when, one of the reasons why I love working with founders is because when they set their mind to something, come hell or high water, like they're going to make it happen, right? And so a lot of times I, I feel like the conversation is kind of misguided. Like, can I make, can I lead a, a $5 million company? And the answer is always yes, right? If you set your mind to it, yes, you can. Will you have to change to get there? Absolutely. But if that's what you want and you have the conviction to it, I believe in you. I believe you can do it. Now, the real question is, should you, right? That, that's the real question is, do you actually have to get there? Because you're going to have to sacrifice a lot to get to that place. And I don't necessarily mean health or your marriage or anything like that. What I'm really referring to is the own your own personal freedom and autonomy inside the yeah. business. Yeah. Right. And that, that's what you're talking about. If you've got to hand it off and you got to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So what I've found is if if I come in and say, hey, you've got to stop doing all these things, right? You shouldn't be doing those kind of, you know, shape up or ship out. There's not a founder in the world who's going to listen to that. But if I say, hey, where do you want to go? Yeah, it's here. OK, can you really can you really do all the sales calls for a five million dollar business? No. OK, what do you want to do about it? As like, oh, well, I got I got to train someone else on sales. OK, let's do it. Right. Yeah. And, and so. Once you have that vision, 
and you've made the decision to move forward, then it's it's skill sets, right? It's blocking yeah. and tackling. It's it's learning. It's not this kind of, can I do it or can't I do it? It's what steps do I need to take to make it happen? Right. So what I'm hearing, and, and it's great, is, is you really have to work with the vision and really get crystal clear on their own objectives, the founder's own objectives. You know, what what is that going to look like? It's going to be bigger. You're going to have to hand off, manage, or do you want it to be a solo? You want to be a solopreneur and get help with vendors on the outsides, VAs, specific people on contract for roles. And I think yeah. that's um, that's a great way for them to take a step back and say, really, what do I want to build? Absolutely. So um, that. Yeah. And the principle is this, that uh, and, and this is true for whatever you're doing. Right. Uh, this this same principle plays out when you're deciding if you're going to sell your company or not. Mm. Uh, and the principle mm. is this, that you always want to move toward something, not not move away from something. Right. Absolutely. What we want to, you you want to have a more compelling vision of the future than you do a compelling version of getting out of the past. Yeah. And that's it for, for especially for visionary founders, if there's one principle that I think will really help you at those intersections and those crossroads in your life, it is to move toward something, not away from something more move toward the future, not away from pain. And three examples moving towards um, a, a, f a number figure goal or moving towards yeah uh, it can be a lot of things so personal uh, let, yeah let's go growth. to the end of the story here for a little bit and it's not the end of the story which is the beautiful thing but let's say you, you you've you've made that transition to CEO and and you've been doing it for a while and and you're just kind of like hey I've kind of done this uh, mm. I'm tired I don't want to be at our our tactical meetings anymore <laughs> like I, I don't want to travel and and you know this and that and and we can kind of be like I, I just want out. Uh, but what happens if you sell your business because you just want out or if you transition to a new set of uh, of leadership and, and just own the business because you want out, there's only so much golf you can play. Right. Mm -hmm. Your your grandkids are only <laughs> so available. Right. Like, and, 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 and if you don't have a compelling vision of what you're going to. Uh, you're you're going to be bored out of your mind and and you're going to be a, a big problem for just about everybody around you in about nine months time. Uh, it's it's <laughs> right. startling how many, especially men who, who, are, who are founders who sell their business, who have major, major health crises within oh, yeah. the first six to nine months oh, after yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, especially, uh, you know, if it is an exit plan, maybe it's a, a part time exit plan, maybe it's a consultancy maybe maybe you're uh, in there for another year training your successor and stepping away for some of the stuff but really helping yeah. build that executive team as well as a successor yeah. and that can be really exciting yeah. for someone you know that which is um something to look forward to i, I think we all need something to move towards yeah. with our purpose in life, whether yeah. it's a business or yeah. a relationship, yeah. you know, whatever that is, what are we going to create? How are we going to serve people, etc.? Yeah. Now getting down to the last questions, um, what is the one thing every founder must do? 
So the one thing that every founder must do uh, is you have to stop and identify what stage you're in right now. Right, because you know we have wonderful podcasts like yours, uh, and and there is this nearly infinite amount of advice to entrepreneurs right now, but not all of that advice is created equal for where you are right now. Right. So, for example, if we were to just use geography uh, uh, to 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 simplify it a little bit, if I said I wanted, if we said we we're going to get to St. Louis, you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and I say, how do you get to St. Louis? You say go east. Well, if I go <laughs> east, I'm going to get wet. Right. I'm going to step right into the Atlantic. But if I say, well, you got no, you can't go east. You're going to get wet. You got to go west. Then you're going to get wet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. The whole idea of these stages are like being at different points on a map. And, and so you'll get these wonderful leaders who say, you know, you need to bundle up because you're going through Denver and it's real cold there. But if you're in Death Valley, you don't want to be dressed like you're ready for Denver. And, and so there are different strategies that are necessary at each stage. The one thing that you need to do is not any one thing. It's to actually identify what stage you're in and then identify what the one thing is for that stage. Hmm. So what, once you know what stage you're in, a, a few th like dominoes just start to fall. And the first one is you actually know what you need to do, right? It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling for a founder. These are the things that you actually need to do. Second thing is you realize there's a lot of things you don't have to do. You know, mm -hmm. th there might be mm -hmm. two or three things that you really need to focus on right now. But the very cool part about that is there are 20 to 30 things that you don't need to focus on right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's this clarity that comes from knowing what you need to do. There's this freedom that comes from knowing what you don't need to do. And, and the very last kind of domino here, and I would say the most important of all of them is you can you can get a a focus on on and and enjoy the gift that's available in that stage. Right. One of the biggest tragedies that can come when you when you realize, oh, there's seven stages and you start to get clarity on your destination and you realize there's five stages to go. Like it can be a little <laughs> overwhelming. Right. Yeah. We can we can we can do the same thing that we've talked about earlier and, and kind of put our joy on hold until we get to our destination. And these stages are not destinations. They're milestones. And the, the most important thing is to have joy at every stage of the journey. And so what you'll find, and, and I, I, I go through all seven in the book, but each stage has a specific thing to it. I, I call it a gift, right? That is actually only available in that stage. This is the one time in your entire journey that you can do this the most. Mm. And if you blink, you'll miss it, right? Mm. And so my, my, you know, my biggest piece of advice is for most folks, you don't have to get to the next stage right? For most folks, it's not about getting to the next stage. It's about enjoying their current stage more. Yeah. And, and I, the way you say that is going to make every stage or that person really appreciate what they've got in the stage. I think it's, it's a great motivation to help them to stay with things um, yeah. and to really figure it out and to say, ah, I'm here. All right, I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to put this to use. And it just allows us to play the long game because being yeah. a business owner, a CEO, a leader is all about the long game. <laughs> And if you know that, if you're in no rush to start making your millions, you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to have less burnout. You're going to build a team of people that really are just as excited as you are 
yeah. to grow this company. Yeah. So that that's great, Scott. Yeah. The, a, a quick personal story on that, sure. um, because w one of the things is you might not be equipped for that stage. It might not be your sweet spot, but there's still mm -hmm. joy there. So mm -hmm. we had our first child, uh, my wife and I, when I was 25 years old uh, and our second one, I was 27. And, and for the first two years of their life, I was kind of like, I love you. I don't know what to do with you. Right. <laughs> like mom's set up like she's she's got you like mm -hmm. send them back whenever they can kick a ball. You know, I'll, I'll be here. And it wasn't that I was distant. It wasn't that I was you know detached or anything like that. I just I just discounted that stage of their life. Uh, and, and my ability to enter into it. And so uh, fast forward a little bit, our third, we had our third whenever I, I was 35. Uh, and I was just a different person from 25 to 35. Mm -hmm, sure. and, and I really set my heart, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. I was no more equipped than I was beforehand, right? I had no, I still you know, had no idea what I was doing, but I decided I was going to enjoy every moment that I could uh, of, of her and, and her life. And I'll tell you, the degree to which I was able to enjoy those first two years, the degree to which those two years have changed my life mm, uh, is yeah. is completely different than what it was when when my boys were that age. And so it doesn't matter how hard this stage is. It doesn't matter if it's your if it's what you're wired to do, if it's your sweet <laughs> spot or, or you're, you're going to be very glad when you get to another stage. There's joy in it and don't miss it. Yeah. I like the way you said, I, I was no more equipped <laughs> because we're frankly not, we don't have all the knowledge or all the skills to be in any stage or to relate to another person. But if we have the desire and the intention to really learn and be there and be present and problem solve, and I think that that takes you a long way. Yeah. So, yeah. Scott, um, for our listeners, how can they find out more information about you and your company, Scale Architects? Yeah, you can head over to scalearchitects.com. In particular, the, the content we've been talking about today, The Founder's Evolution, is all available in a book we're giving away for free. It's called The Founder's Evolution, uh, Conquering the Journey That Every Founder Must Face. And if you go to scalearchitects.com forward slash founders, you can get your own free copy of it today. It'll go through all seven stages. And the big promise with the book is because it's going to help you identify the couple of things you need to work on and the 20 to 30 things you don't need to work on, you can <laughs> save 10 hours a week just by applying what you learn about your stage mm, today. Mm, great. How generous. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for spending your time um, on your spectacular life today. I really appreciate it. I know that my listeners are going to get a lot out of what you've said. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. All right. Great. Scott, thank you again. And you take care. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com dot com.